you got your Bibles, we're going to start in Proverbs 1 today. If you're not used to accessing uh, God's Word either via phone or actual paper Bible, most of the scripture will be on the screen uh, today as well. And we're starting a brand new series today called Foolproof. Uh, I don't know about you, you ever just made a complete idiot of yourself? I mean, am I the only one? I hope not. You know, I, I remember growing up, uh, I was invited to this uh, Halloween party. And uh, as, we were, as I was invited to the Halloween party, my mom and dad, and we were trying to figure out what I was going to wear to the Halloween party. And uh, my mom had this beautiful idea to dress me up like a young girl. And so she got this dress. She did my makeup, wig, all this stuff. I show up at this party. I knock on the door. And I was like, it's a pretty good costume, you know. But I knock on the door, and I open up, and it doesn't take me but about five seconds to realize it was a Halloween party, but not a costume party. And I was the only one dressed up. And so, I don't know, just being me, I just made the most of it. And uh, I lost the wig, but it was, it was not, there are no pictures of that that have survived anywhere. But uh, sometimes we just make a fool of ourselves. We make dumb decisions or we stick ourselves in circumstances we don't know what's going on or how to handle it. And we just end up making a fool of ourselves. And there's a great book in the Bible called Proverbs that actually gives us guidelines of how to not do that. I don't think there's a proverb about Halloween costume parties. There was. I wish I would have read it. But, but Proverbs give us these guide rails in our life of how to live with a key word and a key focus, and it is called wisdom. How do we embrace this idea of wisdom? In this book, you're going to find poetry, parables, pithy questions, short stories, wise maxims, all that set, set forth the memorable ways to help us both have common sense and give us divine guidance on how to handle life's issues every day. Whatever's coming at you, I can tell you there is some truth in Proverbs that will give you some guidelines and some things to hold on to. Now, many people, if you've been around the book of Proverbs, you've been around church, you, you might connect the book of Proverbs to King Solomon, uh, David's son, who was described as the wisest person who ever lived. But this book is actually much more than just the learnings of one man. It's actually made up of writing and truths from multiple wisdom writers that were collected over 250 years. And why is this important? Because while the majority of it can be traced to Solomon, uh, it's this idea that wisdom is much more than just the thoughts of one man. It's, it's centuries of these thoughts and truths put together and tested over time and presented as a wise way of living. It's key thoughts and additions that have been added and kept being added to until they said this is a great book of wisdom. And this is important to us to know because wisdom is a very deep and often difficult topic. And you may say, well, I have wisdom. Like, I'm pretty wise. And maybe you do on certain topics and certain things. But can I tell you the wisdom of just one person, even if it was just the wisdom of King Solomon and that's all we had, it would still be the perspective of one man during one time going through one set of circumstances. But when we can look at the book of Proverbs, we see wisdom over centuries, over multiple centuries, over multiple circumstances, through multiple people's eyes that have been put together and tested and proven true. This book is a treasure trove of truths that have guided people for thousands of years and have proven to stand the test of time. And this is why we're going to take some time over the next few weeks to look into some of the major themes of this book. Now, if I told you I was going to preach through the book of Proverbs, it would not just take weeks or months. It would take years to teach through the book of Proverbs. It is filled with so much 
truth, and I'm not going to do that. This is six weeks, so this is an overview of it there. But there are amazing truths found in almost every verse that lead us to deeper thinking and new perspectives. It's a book that will impact you in different ways and different seasons of your life. It's not just a long book. It is a deep book that allows for a lifelong exploration. And so what I want us to do in these six weeks is I basically want to give you some handles or some tools on how to approach Proverbs when you read it. And I encourage you to read it regularly and often. There are people, there are 31 books in Proverbs. There are people who make a commitment to read a book of Proverbs every day. And so every month they've worked through this book of Proverbs. I'm not saying you have to do that. There are different ways to engage with this book. But Proverbs is one of those books that you don't just say, oh, I read it once and I'm done. It will impact you and affect you in different ways in your life at all the times. So let's ask a couple questions that begin right at the beginning with Proverbs 1, 1 and 2. It says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. There are two key words and two concepts that the authors of this book use over and over again as we're reading it, and it's the idea of wisdom and insight. Wisdom and insight. PJ, if he was back down here, one of the things I always tell him, he could re- regurgitate it right back to you. When they go out at night or they're going out somewhere, they're taking a trip somewhere, what do I say, PJ? Make wise, Make wise choices. I always say that. Make wise choices. That's what I say to him and Natalie. And I, I remember doing that even at a young age, and I, I began to think, how do they even know what's wise? Like maybe, maybe the choices they're making, they think are wise. They just don't have it. I was like, I actually need to pour wisdom into them for them to make wise choices. And this is what we want to do over the next few weeks is teach ourselves how to have wisdom poured into our lives so that we're making wise decisions. The word wisdom as defined in this book can be translated as understanding or discernment. And the way I define it is this. It's the ability to understand the reasons and relationships between thought, behavior, and outcomes. It's actually having a wise, broad thought process that helps you understand that what you do is not just isolated. It impacts and has relationship on everything, on your personal relationships, on your personal thought process, on circumstances in your life. Your choices have consequences, and wisdom allows you to see how those are all interrelated. It's a compass that directs people through the challenges and temptations of life that are common to all people. Wisdom at its core is knowing how something works and why things happen. That's what wisdom is. Or what about insight? The word insight, as defined in this book, can also be translated to the word prudence. Now, that word prudence gets a bad rap because the first word you hear is what? Prude, right? And you start thinking of somebody who just, you know, sucks the joy out of the room and the fun out of the room, like a prude. You know, it's just like, oh, I don't want to listen. You know, it's just that whiny kind of personality. And that is not what prudence is at all. Prudence is actually the exact opposite of that. It's the ability to take wisdom and put it into action, to make the most of every situation, to walk into any environment and know how to use wisdom to make the situation meaningful, purposeful, and powerful. Prudence prudence is not restraint. Prudence is actually measured action. That's what insight is. It gives us measured action. And insight at its core is knowing what to do and when to do it. If wisdom is knowing the how and the why things happen, insight is knowing the what and the when to actually put that wisdom into practice. This is what this book gives us. So let's dive into this study by taking a 
couple of verses to describe how we actually start on this pathway. How do we start on the path of wisdom? What is the door? What's the entry point? What's step one into wisdom? And Proverbs is very clear what that is. Let's look at two verses right quick. Proverbs 1, 7 and Proverbs 9, 10 that almost say the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10 says it this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There are those two words again, wisdom and insight. These two verses tell us very plainly that the key to wisdom is, and it is the fear of the Lord. Now, why is the fear of the Lord so important? And what is it? I, I thought God was a God of love. I thought, you know, he wanted peace in, in our lives, that we're called his workmanship, his creations, As followers of Christ, we're called his sons and his daughters. It even says that we are heirs to his kingdom. The Bible even goes as far as to say we used to be enemies of God, but we've moved from being enemies of God to being friends of God. And I don't know about you, but most of my friends I don't fear. Somebody doesn't show up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to have lunch with you again? Like that's not typically how I view a friend, is this fearful mentality. So why should we fear God then? Why should we be scared of him? And I think it's because many of us have an improper definition of what fear is. It's different than what's used in this passage. To be honest, when I think about fear, I think about being scared out of my mind, shocked, overwhelmed, something impending doom is coming my way. This idea that something is out there to get me and something is out there to bring me harm. It's this feeling of something is going to jump out of me, jump from around the corner. If you, if you watch movies, they call this the jump scare, right? I mean, you, all of a sudden, you know it's coming. The music is playing, and you know, you know like everything's getting really quiet. They're prepping you, but it still scares you to death when that person or whatever it is jumps out, and everybody jumps off the couch or screams in the theater. They, we know what fear is. If, for me, it's kind of like walking through a haunted house on Halloween when you know something's coming, but it still scares you to death. I found these pictures online of these people going through a haunted house. And I mean, and they are just freaked out of their minds, like overwhelmed with fear. And uh, I love that. Are we on the last one yet? The, uh, she looks, this is, she's like, you're not leaving me. She's like, no way, no way. I mean, this is what we think of when we think of the word fear, right? Like God is out to get me. And the problem is, is we take this kind of mentality on fear and we equate it to God. If we're honest, we carry the same view of God. We feel like God's out to get us. He's hiding behind the clouds just waiting for us to mess up so he can shoot down a lightning bolt at us and you know, hit us with some sickness, some tragedy in our life. He is just waiting around the corner, and we better be fearful of him. We think that everything's a test, and if I don't choose the right path, then it's just like me walking into a haunted house and something's going to jump out and bring me pain and fear and anguish into my life. Sometimes as our core, we think that God is out to get us instead of believing the idea that God is for us. This is not being fearful of God. That's not what it's talking about here. It's just being scared of God. It's embracing what he calls the fear of the Lord. So what is the fear of the Lord? Let's start by talking about what it isn't. The fear of the Lord isn't living a fearful life just waiting on God to hit you with your next problem. First, fear of the Lord is not anxiety. It's not anxiety that comes into our life uh, when we experience, you know, for me, anxiety comes in my life when I experience uncertainty. And I don't know what's going on or what I'm walking into. Wisdom doesn't bring uncertainty. It brings clarity and understanding. Jesus tells us to be anxious for nothing. We don't have to live with uncertainty. So it's not this anxious feeling of what's coming next. 
It's also not animosity. Fear is not animosity. It's not anger or bitterness based on something that's happened in a relationship. And a lot of times we think God is mad at us. God is angry at these bad things that I've done. How could he not be angry at me? And he's going to be out to get me. But I want you to hear this. From the beginning of time, from the first sin that separated us from God, God has been working to restore relationships. Everything has done has been to overcome animosity. Wisdom doesn't create a fear of seeing someone because of animosity. It actually brings peace in a relationship. Fear, fear of the Lord is also not despair. This idea of overwhelming hopelessness. A fear, that's, you know, a fear that is driven out of seeing something as insurmountable in my life. Instead of, God has done the exact opposite of this. Instead of building walls to separate us and create hopeless situations, he has been all about tearing down walls that of sin and pain in our life. Wisdom doesn't highlight what we lack, but it shows what we can receive from God. It does not create animosity or despair, and it does not finally create dread. This feeling of doom, this idea that nothing will ever get better. The world's going to keep getting worse. My life is going to keep getting worse. There's no chance of good actually prevailing. It's like I'm in a nosedive with no engines working, no parachute. There's just no way out. God is not a God of dread. He is the exact opposite. He brings light into the darkness and peace into turmoil. Wisdom is not about showing us how bad things are. Instead, it's about showing us a pathway through any calamity in our life. So if it's not these things, if it's not anxiety, animosity, despair, or dread, then what is the fear of the Lord? When we look at this passage and when we look in the broader sense of Proverbs and even in other books of the Bible, we can kind of understand what this word means. And the first thing the fear of the Lord actually is, is this word of this, awe, is that we are in awe of God. The fear of the Lord begins with an awe of who he is and what he is. It's coming to an understanding that God is not like us. He is far above us, so much more powerful than us, so much more wiser than us that we can't help but just stand in awe of who he is. A few years ago, I went and visited Niagara Falls for the first time. And if you've ever been up there, you can literally stand right next to the falls. The sound is deafening, the power of that. You're just mesmerized as you watch that water just flood over those falls. And I remember sitting there and I was a bit fearful, even though there was a rail in front of me. And even though I wasn't really in any danger of falling in, my thoughts beginning to go like, what if I make one misstep or some, a slip somehow? And all of a sudden I'm in the water, like it's over. It's done that, that incredible power, even just being close to it made me a little fearful because of how powerful it was. And that's all. That's the way we are when we embrace and we get close to God. We realize there is so much all-consuming power in this creator God that we can't help but be in awe. But there's a second part of it too. It's not just having that feeling. It's actually then beginning to respect that. The fear of the Lord is a respect for the power and the wisdom that he holds. It's realizing that the power he possesses is unlike anything else in the universe. And it should be handled with deep respect. We fear him because of the impact that we know that he can have in our lives and the life of this world, and we respect that. A few months ago, do you guys remember the, the great uh, green mushroom light over uh, uh, Astoria in Long Island City here? I, I was in Midtown, and like we saw this huge, you know, I don't even know what they call it, what they ended up saying it was. Like, it was basically some charge, release of energy is, I think, what they finally termed it. 
but it was, you know, it lit up the sky. This, this power plant that I go by every day that usually contains its power had a momentary release of power that literally impacted all of New York City in their view. Everybody was thinking we're about to get abducted or some attack has happened. The aliens have finally, Independence Day is happening for real. You know, we were had all these ideas going on. And it's this idea that that reminded me the respect that I have, even for the little bit of power that's in one of these plugs down here. Like I don't go sticking a fork in there. I don't stick things in there to test and see how much it really is powerful. We, we respect power when we get next to it. But the third thing we do and understanding the fear of the Lord is understanding that we begin to honor him. The fear of the Lord is when we choose to honor him as the source of all wisdom and power. You know, I can respect something without actually honoring it. Honoring it is when I show deference and give it a place of authority in my life. And I do this with people that I respect and people that I honor, people that have power. Like, I'll give them deference in my life. And they have ways to speak into my life that I'll, I'll act on almost sometimes without question because I trust them implicitly and there's fear sometimes that come if they say hey i see something damaging in your life and i want to change that and it's a little fearful for me that i haven't seen that and it hasn't shown up or i haven't been able to spot it in my own life and so honoring brings that which brings us to the last one which is submission the fear of the lord is actually most shown through submission of our lives to this authority we aren't submitting because we're fearful of what he'll do if we don't we submit to the fear of the lord because it gives us awe, respect, and honor for who he is. This fear is a healthy fear because it's, it's now the start of fear for my life that would be like an authority is finally present to give me direction. There's something I can relax, relax into and rest into and know that it is giving me direction and hope. That's fear. But even as we understand that there's still a fear that can drive us to not to embrace this amazing wisdom, this submission to the Lord, And usually I'm most fearful, as I mentioned earlier, when I'm out of control or I'm stepping into some new situation. I grow fearful when I leave something known and comfortable and reach for something that is new and uncertain. And this is why Solomon used the idea of fear to help us understand what it's like to embrace wisdom and to let go of fear in in our current circumstances. I have to be willing to let go of what I know and what I think is best and believing that I am the source of true wisdom, and instead of reach for something that's outside of me, to reach for the wisdom of God, and to allow it to become the number one source of wisdom in my life. A few years ago for my wife Katie's birthday, we uh, did a trapeze school. And uh, this is all about letting go and grabbing on. And I brought some pictures of this as well. So this is Katie. Uh, She looks very graceful here. She listened to the instructor about how to do her knees and all this stuff. And eventually they tell you in a moment, you're going to have to let go, look up, and you're going to have to jump off and somebody will catch you. It's a step of faith. This is about the most fearful moment that you have right here. And she did exactly what she was supposed to do, reached out and this hunk of a man (laughs) grabbed her. And I wasn't jealous at all, but she, she did it. She, it was phenomenal. It was amazing to watch her do this. I tried this. I don't look as graceful. (laughs) So I didn't quite listen as well as Katie did. I tried to reach out, (laughs) did not get my head up, and I completely fell. (laughs) So (laughs) you can see I'm not looking to where I should go, but this is a picture of wisdom 
and a lack of wisdom. Basically, it was Kenny listening and going, I have to let go of something to get to something better. And he's not better. Not, we'll get out of that, but like better. And she did it. She let go and grabbed hold. And this is what this fear is. When we have to trust God, it gets a little scary, doesn't it? When you have to let go of control of your own life and really trust in the wisdom of somebody else, and even in this God that we can't even see and touch, it gets fearful. It's like letting go of a trapeze and hoping that you're following the the wisdom enough that you will grab on, that God will grab a hold of you. And the truth is, when we act according to his wisdom, it works every time. So how do we understand the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. This is a verse that basically, what I love about Proverbs is a very practical book. Like you read through chapter 1 and you're like, all right, fear the Lord. Like, what is that? Okay, maybe. And then they go into chapter 2 and it's like, all right, let me explain that to you. And this is what 1 and five, one through 5 does. Listen to this. It says, My son, if you accept my words and you store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as if silver and you search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and to find the knowledge of God. In four verses, he tells us, this is how you do that. This is how you let go and you grab hold gives us a clear pathway to understanding what the fear of the Lord is. And I want us to walk that pathway step by step this morning. It says, first, my son, if you receive my word, step one is you have to open your heart. You have to open your heart. You can't begin the journey of wisdom and the fear of the Lord if you aren't open to it. It's not just something you brush up against and think, oh, if I need the wisdom of God, I'll pull it out you know, as a last resort. It's not what it is. You have to be willing to open your heart to growth to new experiences, to new ways of thinking. You won't have a right view of God and his truths if you won't receive his words and allow him to question your thoughts and your insights. You have to open your heart. You can't think that you're it. How do you do this? I'll challenge you. Put it to the test. Take some of these wisdom truths that we're going to look at over the next weeks and be like, hey, I'm not ready to trust God completely. At least take some of these truths and put them to the test in your life. See if they work. See if forgiving people really does bring peace in your life. See if letting go of bitterness really does bring health into your life. See if letting go of of envy actually brings contentment in your life. Put them to the test. Take it for a test drive. This is how we begin to open our hearts. But then he says, not just receive my words, but he says, treasure up my commands with you. And this is where you have to then begin to plant the truth in our heart. Not just something we test drive, but we plant it in our our hearts. The pathway of wisdom is not just being able to quote these sayings or even memorize them. Instead, it is planting them in our hearts so that they begin to bring about a harvest of wisdom in our life. How do we do this? Challenge you begin to meditate on these things. Dissect them. Examine them. Read deep into them. Don't just skim through the book of Proverbs. Sometimes I'll read one verse of Proverbs and man, it just stops me in my tracks. Like I can't get past it. It's so much truth to digest that I have to stop and realize this is impacting so many areas of my life. Again, this is not a book you just read through as quick as you can. It's a book you dissect and meditate on and stick into your heart so that it brings fruit. But then it says next, after we do that, you should make your ear attentive to wisdom, which means this, we have to change our way of thinking. As these truths begin to grow in our heart, you will battle with a new way of thinking taking over your mind. 
If you've never done this, if you've never really found outside wisdom brought into your life, I'm, cha- I'm telling you, it will challenge the way you think. It will change the way you think. Things that were once meaningful will seem trivial, and things that seemed absurd, absurd will now make perfect sense. We can stop wisdom from growing if we aren't willing to change how we think. But when it gets into our lives, it will change our mindsets completely. And how do we do this? I challenge you, once you meditate on it, like we talked about before, start talking about your wisdom journey with other people. Start sharing it with like, I may be crazy, but I'm starting to think this way. And people are like, well, you may be crazy. That sounds crazy to me. And some people that may not be on a wisdom journey would be, that sounds crazy. But those that are on it with you would be like, yeah, I can see that changing. I see your way of thinking change, and I see you being healthier in this. So change the way you think. Verse 2, the second part says, this, then we should incline our hearts to understanding, which means that we start to change how we feel, that our hearts begin to feel something different. Just as our thoughts will change, the way we feel about certain things will change as well. Things that used to make us angry or envious will no longer have any power over us. Things that brought us joy may now seem like empty pleasures in our life. Wisdom will eventually how you, affect how you feel and how you find your contentments. Our heart will grow in the fear of the Lord and our feelings will reflect that change. How do we take this step in our life? Practice the art of letting go and grabbing hold. When you get to the point where you start to realize your thought pattern is changing and your feelings are starting to change, actually put into practice of saying, okay, I'm going to let go of that feeling and I'm going to grab hold of a new feeling. Practice the art of letting go and grabbing hold. Verse 3 then says this. It says, yes, then if you call out for insight, call out for insight. And the way I say this, then we have to embrace a different way of responding to challenges in our life. When things come out, Wisdom and the fear of the Lord will challenge us to change the way we respond in different situations. Instead of responding out of anxiety, animosity, despair, or dread, we will call out for insight and understanding. Say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I want insight. I want to understand. We will seek to respond in the best way, not just in the first way that we feel or think. We won't be driven by our emotions or by our pain. Instead, we'll be drawn to respond out of a deeper perspective of wisdom in our life. I don't know about you, but I still, this is one I constantly struggle with. Something pushes up against my life. Something knocks on me. Something confronts me. And my first thought is to just get defensive and react out of how I feel. Instead of actually calling out for insight and understanding. Saying, God, before I respond, Give me understanding and insight. And this is the way we practice this. We actually make a determination to respond to things instead of just react to things. We often just react. Something hits us, we hit back. Somebody says something, we say something back. And we don't actually stop and call out for wisdom and understanding and insight. Second part of verse 3 says this. It says, then we will actually raise your voice for understanding. And the idea here is we actually start to embrace a different way of advocating. When you raise your voice, it means that you're actually advocating. You're telling other people. You're making this known to other people. One of the biggest changes that wisdom and the fear of the Lord brings into our life is what we advocate for. Instead of advocating for whatever brings us the most benefit, we start advocating for what will bring about the most understanding in the situation, even if it doesn't benefit me. This means I won't always win. I won't always get my way. I won't always come out on top. But wisdom tells us that my way is not always the best way. 
My view is not always the right view. My win is not always the best win. When understanding is the winner, then everybody wins. Peace will reign and pathways forward become clear. Oh my, that we could take this and implant it into our political system today, right? I mean, we are just at a divided aspect of if I'm right, you have to be wrong. And if I'm right, right you have to be wrong. And we have the, the article I read this week was we're in a time of contempt where we don't view anybody that a differing view from us is anything but a complete opposite of who we are. And this is why wisdom and understanding are so important because it's not about whether what I feel and what I want wins. It's about what wisdom and understanding actually wants to win. Step seven is this. It says, verse four, if you seek it like silver. This means we make it a daily pursuit. Now, most of us, we say, you know, how do you pursue silver? Like, that makes sense. For these people, they would have immediately understood that. Their daily pursuit was silver. The way they got paid every day, their wages was in silver. And that was the coins, that's the way they were, you know, their daily wage. They paid every day. They didn't get a paycheck at the end of the week that they got direct deposited into their Jewish bank accounts. I mean, that didn't happen back then. But uh, their daily wage was silver. So he's basically saying every day, this is a reminder to seek wisdom like a daily wage. Work at it. Grapple with it. Test it. Use it. Demonstrate it. And it will pay you a daily wage of growth and understanding. If you actually use it, if you actually manipulate it and challenge it and put it into your life, it will bring about a payment of growth in your life. We don't get the payoff of wisdom and the fear of the Lord if we don't put it to work and start using it. It's more than just reading a proverb a day or a book a week. It's putting the proverb to work in your life and asking it to bring a return. How does this work on wisdom every day and in every way? There's not a part of your life that wisdom can't bring hope to. There's not a part of your life that wisdom can't bring understanding to. There's not an issue you're facing that wisdom cannot help you see a pathway through whatever calamity it is. Practice wisdom every day in every way. Katie and I are learning French right now, and we go to class once a week. And I thought, that's great. I can do once a week. Like, I'll show up and for a couple of hours, and I'll learn French. It doesn't work that way. Like, I've learned, like I have to practice it every day. I'm, we now have these apps, you know, and I'm, I'm saying, you know, enchanté, you know, uh, tout pas français, you know, whatever we, we're learning this week. But I have to practice it every day. For it to take root in my life, for it to become a way I think, it's just part of every day. So I challenge, this is how we do it. We make wisdom part of every day and every way of our life. And the last step, it says this. And as you search for it, as for hidden treasure. The final step in understanding wisdom is understand that we should make it a daily pleasure of our life by allowing it to become our ultimate source of pleasure. This verse talks about seeking it like hidden treasure and equates that understanding of wisdom and unearthing this and actually letting it come alive in your life is like winning the lottery, finding something you didn't expect. And this is where wisdom really begins to take hold of our life when we walk this pathway of fearing the Lord and we allow wisdom in and all of a sudden we're like, wow, where did, why am I thinking like this now? Why am I not feeling like I used to? Why am I making better decisions? Why are things seeming to be more peaceful in my life? It's like I won the wisdom lottery, and you did. It's, a, it's this treasure that God wants for you. And he says, if you do all these things, this you will understand the wisdom of the Lord. And in just a couple minutes, I want to close with, then what does all this actually mean? Because the truth is, like, okay, if I have the fear of the Lord, and I get better wisdom, and this and that, but... It talks about in Proverbs 
that there are some key benefits to the fear of the Lord. When we allow the fear of the Lord to start us and get us on the pathway of wisdom. And the first one is this, is knowledge. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You will start to better understand circumstances, people, God, and even better understand yourself. The second thing it brings is discernment. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of the evil are perverted speech. You will be better able to understand what is good and what is wrong, what is evil and what is pure, not based on what culture says, but based on wisdom and truth. Then it says you'll have protection. Proverbs 10.27, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Wisdom prolongs our life because it gives us protection and steers us away from dangerous situations that we shouldn't be in. Then it gives us confidence. Proverbs 14, 26, 27. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, the one that one may avoid the snares of death. You and I can walk into any situation and know that we have the wisdom of the almighty God with us when we walk into that situation. We can walk with confidence, even if we're the only one in the room that's holding on to that wisdom. And the last thing that brings us is this, satisfaction. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rest satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Wisdom will give you a direction to fill every need and desire that you have. It will bring true satisfaction into your life. I don't know about you, but I I would desire a life of more knowledge, more discernment, more protection, more confidence, and more satisfaction. And that comes when we submit ourselves to the fear of the Lord and that awe and that respect and that honor and submission and begin a journey of wisdom. And so my question for you today is this. Will you allow the fear of the Lord to drive you toward wisdom today? To begin to drive you, not because you're scared of God, because you're walking through that haunted house and somebody's jumping out at you. But this awe and respect and submission, would you allow that to drive you to open the door to begin a journey of wisdom over these next few weeks? Will you stop thinking of yourself as self-sufficient and not in need of nothing outside of yourself? It has always been easy to think we can find sufficiency in ourselves. Maybe in today's culture, it's even more prevalent. But the truth is this. God gave us his wisdom not to show us how finite and futile we are, but to show us how grand and gracious he is. This study of wisdom should not just make us hunger and thirst for knowledge, but should actually drive us to hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God in our life. And that righteousness and wisdom God ultimately displayed for us in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you remember back, those of you who are with us when we did our study of Mark, like, one of the defining factors of Jesus, who was God in the flesh, was his wisdom. The way he, no matter what circumstance came, it says they marveled at him. And I want to tell you this morning, the quickest way to begin a journey of wisdom is to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. To understand that there is somebody beyond you that can come and bring hope for your sinfulness, hope for your brokenness, but it's not just pulling you out of a pit. It's that then you walk together in a pathway of wisdom that gives you understanding to face any circumstance you face this morning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me?